Hello, and welcome to our first full episode of Under a Bootleg Sky. I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew. Thanks for joining us. And uh, as you saw in the trailer, today we're going to be talking about very classic, very famous show, uh, New Year's Night in Dublin from 1989 at the Point Depot. Um, hopefully you guys got a chance to listen to the show or, or, or you've listened enough over your years as, as a fan that you've got it memorized by now. If not, feel free to listen along to the show while uh, we go through track by track on the podcast and uh, give you guys our thoughts on this uh, classic show. But before we get to the show, there's a, a couple bits of YouTube news that uh, have come out recently. So we'll start uh, with that. Andrew, did you see the Stairway to Heaven performance? I did see it. Uh, I saw when they announced um, that there was going to be a, a special event uh, to help some of the... Uh, a once-in-a-lifetime once performance, I believe they billed it as. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, th- I, think, I think you're right. Um, so yeah, I was excited. Figured it would be something... Uh, from their homes or, or whatever it was, but um, I, I thought you know I thought I thought it was great for what it was. I love uh, a big Led Zeppelin fan, so anytime you two does a Led Zeppelin snippet or anything like that, I'm I'm always uh, intrigued by it. So um, I, I thought it was it's always good to see them together and and uh, doing something a little unique like that. But yeah, that, that's funny. probably my that's probably my biggest takeaway. It was just seeing them together having fun you know even when they're not recording an album necessarily or touring or anything it's nice to know they still hang out with each other um bono and edge at least i'm sure i think adam made a performance or uh, appearance on the show as well Um, larry you know he's often wherever he is but he doesn't like the spotlight as much as those two guys um another bit of u2 news i just saw today and u2 songs posted it so there's at least a little bit of credence to it uh, that they're planning an oct- or not octagon, uh, all that you can't leave behind 20th anniversary box set. Kind of exciting. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's, that, that's great news. I mean, first of all, as you said, uh, for you, you two fans out there, just general, uh, you know, uh, trying to get into you two or wherever you may be in that, in, in that spectrum, you two songs, Dot com is a, a website that's been around for a while and a lot of different iterations, but most recently they've really kind of stepped up their game and they've been at the cutting edge of most of the biggest U2 news over the past probably three to five years. So if you don't follow them, definitely give them a, give them a follow. They're, they're a great group, but that's great. You know, for a while they were doing a bunch of those deluxe editions and re-releases and 20th, 30th anniversaries. Um, I love all that you can't leave behind. I think it had some great moments, obviously on the album, but live that was really a, a resurgence for the, for the band and um, almost a second. You know, we talk about this, but almost a second peak. So, so there may be some live tracks on there. So, yeah, I would definitely look forward to that. Uh, the only thing I will mention, though, you know, this is kind of what YouTube does, unfortunately, is they 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 go big on and do these kind of things on the albums that were. Co- fairly well received commercially but they're skipping over you know two of hardcore fans or big fans favorite albums um Europa and and Pop uh which I think there's probably those albums may have more unreleased material granted all Very true. behind all that's can't behind will have quite a bit because I think they're really wanting to get it right after Pop but but tonight 
is not about uh, Octane Baby. It's not about All That You Can't Leave Behind. It's about going back to the point depot, 1989, where you two finished out the decade uh, with four nights, um, very memorable nights. For those of you who collect bootlegs or listen to a lot of bootlegs, all four of those nights are very memorable, great performances of the classic U2 80 songs. Um, and, you know, not this show, uh, but the 12 thir- or 1227 had the famous Dream It All Up Again speech. This, uh, I was explaining to people the other night, but I might have got it a bit wrong. This is just the end of something for, for you two. And uh, that's why we're playing these concerts. And uh, we're throwing a party for ourselves and you. It's, it's no big deal, just we have to go away and... Just dream it all up again. They said it and then they backed it up. Um, and more, I think most people would say. So it, it's, a, it's a pretty cool little moment in U2 history and kind of prophetic. Um, yeah. And all for the night, I mean, you know, we chose this night because it's, uh, you know, it, it was actually our first bootleg, I think, that we ever had. Yeah. It kind of introduced us to the live, uh, to live U2 maybe not quite as mainstream, not official releases. And it was um, all downhill from there. <laughs> um, but it, uh, all four nights are great. Um, so if you haven't heard the other three, I would definitely recommend checking those out. Um, but and just a what's, couple, go ahead. what's cool about it, uh, you know, and this isn't only to you two in the eighties, but they, they still do this from time to time, but they had four nights, I think it was the 26th, 27th, 30th, and 31st of uh, December. And, you know, generally the set list had a bunch of the same songs, but there were always changes in it. Uh, you know, they, they would open the show. I think they opened it one night with Bullet the Blue Sky. They opened it once with God Part Two, um, and Streets. Streets, the sky, Streets they did yeah. twice. Okay. So... Um, and then there's a bunch of surprises we'll get to in this one. And there was some in the other shows as well. So, yep. um, and then just, you know, to kind of give you some perspective of the time, um, the, and I don't, Chris, I don't know if you remember this, but the uh, two shows prior to this uh, day in, in Dublin, they had to cancel because Bono's voice um, in Amsterdam, I think they started the show and then they stopped it and they canceled the second show. So, um, you know, he was having some vocal troubles after, you know, this is, I guess they've been in Australia. and Right. Cause um, in one, in one of the shows, I don't remember which one may, and maybe a couple of them, but he, he talks about how he's been having voice troubles. I think he said, they got some pretty psychedelic germs in Australia. Let me tell you. They're having their annual general meeting in my throat at the moment. Well, if my voice is not strong, your voice is strong. And if he was struggling with his voice at all, you you could not tell here because it, it's top top notch. Yeah, yeah, very very strong. And and we'll talk more specifically about uh, about some uh, some of those vocal moments and just the overall feel um, that the this, this show has. And like you know, like we said, the other three shows in this time period too. But um, just to kind of give you some perspective of, of where the, the show took place and everything. It's at the, the Point Depot, which is in an area called the Dublin Docklands, 
which is right near right on the water um pretty much right outside of downtown dublin um and i guess part of downtown dublin and um it's prominently featured in rabbit hum especially during like the interviews um and the uh or the first interview where they're all sitting on the chairs inside the black and white uh it's filmed in black and white um and then for desire that whole performance is filmed from inside there so most a lot of the stuff in the first quarter of the of the film that's all filmed from right inside it doesn't seem like it's the, the biggest uh venue and actually on the uh you know kind of on the the uh show listen to the bootleg you, it, you can it's the moments kind of feel the size of the room and it definitely doesn't seem that big yeah um, you can definitely tell and uh you know at least to me I, well from what i've gathered i think bono really feeds off that small i mean he feeds off big crowd energy too but you know when you've got everyone right in your face basically it's it's a different feeling for a performer i'm sure yeah so and Dublin, um, and Dublin shows tend to bring out a little bit. Of course, days. you know it's the hometown crowd. You gotta well, give your for best a home, for a homecoming after the you know a band that has dominated the '80s and whatever you know the intro says. Right to, to have that homecoming and everything. Um, and I think I think like you say they refer to it as basically throwing a party for themselves for the decade yeah. they'd had. And so when's the, when's the last time you've listened to this? full album start to finish not skipping any songs or anything like that um i listened start to finish actually it wasn't that long ago because i don't know if you remember but maybe a couple months back i asked you to send it to me uh before we even were planning on this podcast or anything because uh u2start.com which if you guys don't know about it you should check out they've got much any live U2 concert available for download if you want it, except this one, <laughs> because uh, I, I think when U2 did their big Apple uh, release of their entire discography, they included, was it this full show? They included the full show so. with them? Yeah, I think so. So hopefully we don't get in trouble for using the clips from this, but, uh, you know, we wanted to start off with a bang. So, um, but before this, I'd say, yeah, maybe three months ago i actually listened to it but before that it had been a long time yeah i mean i, I would listen to individual songs that i knew I, I, I liked but listen to the whole thing i mean five plus years probably but and, i mean if you remember this for the longest time we had this in mom's car and we would just listen to it like whenever we were driving around um yeah. and i even remember where because it's too long for one disc. I remember where I cut it. Do you remember where I cut the album? Like to start the second disc, like a total U2 noob. I cut it after the blue sky and running to stand still started the second album, which is obviously a classic pairing. And I, I of course split it up, not knowing uh, how, how well those songs fit together. So I just, I just, I can't believe I remember that, but that, that was funny. That's funny. Um, well, we're ready to get into the, the track by track here. Yeah. Let's start from the top. So it depends on your download and how, and how you got it. Um, the, the one that we had splits the tracks, um, pretty generously. So like the intro tracks, one track and some of the snippets are even broken up, but, uh, you know, I love you, you know, 
things that make these bootlegs unique from one show to the next. And, you know, having the, uh, the, the New Year's countdown. Uh, and I'm 99% sure that's Neil McCormick. Who, Is that right? Uh, I'm pretty sure um, who was went to high school with the band. Him and his brother were both at that first uh, at, at Larry's Kitchen in 77, 78, whatever year that was. Um, and um, he did a book, a movie called Killing Bono, which is uh, pretty interesting. But he's still very good friends with the band. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's him doing the countdown. Um and just you know, the 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 way the the music is in the back and the organ coming in the streets and everything. It's uh, was uh, was that even before we get to there? Was that the end of "All You Need Is Love" that I hear before the yeah, uh, countdown I would, starts? I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. I did not. Um, uh, I, I hear I, like the I, bouncing I, bass yeah. at the end of that song. Yeah. So I, I, I'm guessing that's you what know, they, they use we're that still using to open. On, on, on Joshua Tree, um, right. so I wouldn't be surprised they were still using that. Um, but you know, then just to put it in perspective, and he goes, the band that started in the city ten years ago. I mean, you think about the ten year period and the just the you know to quote Larry, the musical journey <laughs> that they that they had been on in this this ten year period. And you know, if you watch clips and listen to you know just listen to Boy and listen to Unforgivable Fire, that's four years apart. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we could we could we could go down that road for you know that'd be much longer than the time we have for the, for this podcast. But yeah, definitely. Um, so but, I I was thinking about the countdown as you said Neil McCormick is doing. Um, you know, I always get a laugh when he gets jumbled up on around ten or whatever. It's the, it's the energy. It's the energy in the room. We can't. Even, I, you know, I I I always think of that. I mean. Uh, the meme where it's like you had one job his only job was to count down and he's stumbled up from 10 numbers but uh i mean like you said it's the energy it's just a another little classic small little piece of one of these concerts that sticks out in our minds yeah and then obviously getting to hear bono do old lang syne uh you know just another when that voice comes in man that it's it's like it's like a baritone like the just how low his voice is and how oh my goodness it just sounds so awesome and i i'm I'm sure you noticed you know 
it starts off with like the synth is doing the streets intro, but it kind of changes chords to fit with the Auld Lang Syne. Um, so is that edge? Is that edge changing that you think? No, you think that- I'm guessing they had it, you know, pre looped is because oh, okay. this is before they had anyone playing uh, keyboards with them. Right. Definitely before Terry uh-huh. world. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely before that. But yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking I, it was all just, you know, uh, samples and stuff they had to click play on gotcha um but yeah that definitely uh tells you you know uh, for those of you who have been to shows or listen to a lot of shows you can tell early on and definitely tell in streets which we go to now but you can tell early on if it's going to be one of those nights where you're going to have those special moments which definitely were more frequent in you know the the mid to late 80s and and early 90s and and obviously they're still around today uh maybe just not as frequent but you can tell when it's going to be one of those special shows when bono's feeling it and you know it seems like if if, if bono's kind of feeling it the rest of the band kind of follows um and uh, he i mean he's uh, the one who's really you know that's not to dismiss the rest of the band but he's the one who gives off that kind of energy the and the crowd feeds off that and like like they've said you know it's like a uh echo chamber basically between the crowd and the band so um yeah you, you're exactly right uh, and then you know we get the class uh, i mean you know a lot of the stuff we'll talk about in some of these songs it's not just special to tonight this show it's just kind of how these songs were played in the time period and if you haven't listened to a lot of abg2 and and some 90s stuff too but you, you might uh not know some of these things because they, they've changed how they play these songs quite a bit but um, you know, Streets comes in, classic intro with the with, with Larry on the sticks. I, w- I will say edge misses coming in right on the right time. Like he, cause you know, Larry does his one, two, three, four, five, six, and then hits yeah. the hi hat edge misses it. And it has to come in like halfway through on like three or something instead of on one. I mean, it still works obviously like, but it's just a little, you know, it's just, it's, it's the little things. Some may say it's little things that give you away, but it's, <laughs> it's the little things in these songs. That... You're, you're pushing it. You're pushing it. It's these little things in these songs that, to me, make these songs so special, and why I'm able to listen to so many different bootlegs. I mean, just the the just at the intro, how he goes in with the oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just shows confidence. That just shows that he's feeling great, a little raspy, but in the perfect way. And you know, and and, and then we're off. And um, you know, it, uh, while we're, I mean, we're still on the intro, which I mean, Street Sense Road deserves a lot of time, but. Um, he's got the quote there. He says, so he's, you know, this whole thing, just, we said, you know, the night before, a couple nights ago, he had said, dream it all up again. So 
even though they were celebrating, you know, their success of the eighties, they were definitely looking forward and seeing what they were going to do next. Super strong voice throughout just a couple notes that I made, uh, trampled in dust. He does a little different thing with the dust, which is great. Not as good to me as 1226, which if you haven't heard that, that may be the best. I know it's just a single line, but that may be the best trampled in dust line in YouTube And then, you know, just once again, little things. Come with me, y'all. Love that stuff. And then at the end, is it is it musically perfect? Is it no? It's not. But the high notes that he does, at the, the falsetto, end, man. Um, you know that just shows, not you know, jumping out, not knowing if there's going to be a net there or not, but you don't care. You just you know, that's a lot there. And, that's the thing I miss. Like I, I feel like he he never played it safe back then with his with what he was doing. Um, I I definitely really love that about this era of U2. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last thing, and this kind of leads throughout the whole show, you know, if you listen to a lot of Love Town, I think Chris would agree. We, we talk, him and I talk all the time about this could be the pinnacle of, of Bono's voice, but I think it's not only the pinnacle of his voice, I think it's the pinnacle of the way his mic was set up the way the audio is engineered, um, the way the sound is engineered, because the amount of, of reverb they can turn onto his voice within a millisecond of a part of the song, and it's, it's more relevant um, in other songs, but at the end of it, when he says, go there with you, which is another thing that you know, oh, we'll, right. sure. we'll go back to more, that, that goes on for days. And it's just like they're not in the whole song, but they turn that on for that, that brief moment and it just sounds sounds great and it gives his voice makes his voice sound even fuller. You know, um, they they picked that up from Sun Studios. Let me tell you a story about Sun Studios. 
We went to Sun Studios. Six songs, six hours, seven hours. But yeah, uh, you're, but you're yeah, exactly right. Great, great, great version. And just to listen, as you listen along, or you know, if you go back and listen, listen to that reverb. And it, the way they do it, it's great. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying it just sounds really good. And his voice obviously naturally was extremely strong. But I think they really changed some of the ways they, um, I, I don't know how his levels were on uh, his mics or, or whatever it may be. But Joe O'Hurley, he was working some magic. You know, you know, there's there's a guy you like, uh, a YouTuber, Rick Beato. Um, I remember he did a review of I think "In God's Country" was the song he was talking about, and he made the comment, and it's stuck with me. He's like, I think he said from like '87 to '92, basically, any live performance they were doing was as good as the master take from his, their studio albums, and as it's really true. Um, I think uh, I, maybe eighty seven's pushing it a little bit, but like Love Town and Zoo TV, I, I, I don't think there was ever a better time for their live yeah, performances. I, I agree. I mean, I think there's uh, very. Uh, I could probably think of a couple that I would studio version. I just like the arrangement a little bit better, but overall, I agree that you know live, you know live live U two. That's why their bootlegs and things are so popular. Is it's there's an energy. Um, and you can, and, and, but you know, Edge or Bono, they've said it when the songs go out on the album, they're not done yet necessarily. Right. Um, they finished writing those songs live, you know, whether it's Bono changing lyrics or changing the parts. Well, I mean, Street, Streets is a live. great example. I mean, the live version of Streets has a whole extra instrumental bridge that the studio version doesn't. And I'll be honest, I forgot how the studio version went because I've listened to the live version so many times. Um, that's not even on the studio album. He just does the chorus longer, I think. So it, yeah. it, that's a perfect example of how they finish these songs on the road, basically. Yeah. Um, but you want to move on to "I Will Follow." Yeah, and I'll say I think I think you know ahead. my feelings on "I Will Follow." It's it's probably it's probably the song they've played most. That that's probably not correct, but it's it's up there, and it's probably the song I least want to hear live ever. Um, But, but I will say these versions are pretty solid because his voice is just like, he, he punches it into overdrive basically. Yeah. And I just feel like there's a, and I I love when, you know, I guess they started doing around vertigo where they would start playing. I mean, I will follow has kind of been around forever, but uh, you know, vertigo, they really started pulling out some of the other boys songs with electrico, which has now become, uh, you know, fairly decently popular sure. but even like and cat dub and into the heart and um uh stories for boys you know a little bit and maybe some obviously gloria recently off october and uh, out of control sometimes yeah out of control i mean granted out of control has kind of been around a, a, a little bit like i will follow has too but uh, i kind of like when they got away a little bit from i will follow because i just felt like they kind of feel like that's their rocker Exactly. It, it, it's in the category of and Vertigo is just a little more recent, but yeah. it's like, let's pull out the rocker and let's get everybody going. And exactly. This, what, what you feel on this to me is like, you feel a real energy behind this song. It's like, it's the band's fired up to play the song really once. And I think they still have those moments today. Well, I was going to, I was going to compare it. Like you said, the uh, size of the venue helps and, you know, yeah, uh, compare true. it, you know, most recently with like, uh, I think they're Apollo. 
performance, which, you know, maybe not the best performance of it still, but I think just that, you know, uh, closeness to the audience helps with that energy. Well, and I think, well, we'll get to the breakdown here in a second, but just, you know, loose vocals, you know, for the, the oh yeahs and, um, but, you know, this, this is a, all your boys songs, October songs or in even more stuff is, is really where Larry and Adam are going to take a, a, a little bit more of the, they're going to be able to shine a little bit more, I guess. And just the way this bootlegs recorded, and I don't know if it's the venue size or what, but it, just the, the drums and the bass just sound really driving, really up front, really aggressive. And um, See, I, I, I don't totally, I even made a note. I thought, I mean, the drums sound good, but I thought the bass was like severely lacking, uh, yeah. unfortunately, because well, other than that, it's perfect. But I just what could have used a little more bass guitar. Actually, even even with that being said, I still think on songs like this, it definitely is. It, it, once again, it kind of shows that transition in their sound. Sure. Of how drums and bass, obviously they're a guitar band and with the effects and that kind of thing, that guitar is always going to be up front, but the, the drums and bass definitely have a different sound on your, uh, you know, 84 to where they, where, you know, where they are now. But my favorite part of I Will Follow now and probably starting since Elevation is the breakdown. Uh, because I will say, I think the breakdown is better now than it was. I think all their breakdowns are better now than they were in the 80s. I, I think they have a much better handling of how to handle, not only how to handle those bit breakdowns, but just... I, I don't know if you totally mean that. Maybe you mean that for I Will Follow, but I mean, come on, Electric Co., get out of here. Maybe, maybe those, maybe Electrico, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But I'm just thinking, you know, the, the, even some versions of Electrico, I, I'm disappointed with that breakdown shorter. And, and there are some versions where it's very short in the 80s, but it's sometimes short nowadays too. But I just think when they stretch, the longer they stretch the breakdown out, um, the more buildup it, it has on the other end. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Um, and, you know, your eyes make a circle. You can only do so much with that. It's all like any kind of uh, outlets a little bit more with that. Moving on to still haven't found. Um, it's 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 a great version. I mean, they still I think they still drop it in key all the way down to B flat, which is I think what they still play it at now. 
And that probably had to do with how his voice was feeling at the time. But again, you can't really tell that there's any issues with it because um, he hits yeah, he hits the notes perfectly. And you can't, you know, unless you're really, really listening for that. And I don't have the ear like Chris does, but unless you're really listening for that, you can't tell you can't tell much of a difference. You can't to me. You can barely tell a difference. But if you listen to back to back with the live version, you can definitely tell that Bono's pushing his voice live. And I'm I'm not the biggest fan of. I mean, I still haven't found if you're there at the show singing along, obviously, you know, that's, that's great, but it's got to be a very special version. Uh, 80s versions, I'm, I, I, I can dig those. Um, but, you know, when you get to 2000s versions, I still haven't found, it just doesn't have that same intensity in the, in, in the vocals. Cause this is not an easy song to sing. Yeah. Um, and when you listen to the album, you can really hear him, um, pushing it and to give you an example if you want to see how he sings the the effort he puts in the song just watch Rablin hum from the uh, church in harlem when he's singing it and i'm assuming he's singing and you i may be wrong but i'm assuming he's singing in the the studio or the recorder version key because that's probably what they practice that group probably practiced with possibly so that might be version. that might be true i i'd have to listen and, to it again but but yeah. he is, you, you see him pushing his voice and it's just, you know, th- to do that every night. just uh, And with a broken arm. Yeah, in that version. Um, um, another quote uh, we've got here at this song, at the beginning of the song, though, um, which is... It's the future. The only limits to the limits of our imagination. Dream of the kind of world you want to live in. Dream out loud. High volume. So that's just one of my favorite lines from Zeropa. Um, so it's nice to see it in its kind of embryonic stage here. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. And there's a couple, uh, I, I want to say that might have happened with Moment of Surrender to uh, a line that he said live or a line he used a lot in speeches or. Yeah, I, what was and that? Then maybe, I know. And then, and then maybe crumbs from your table too. Um, where you live, where you're born, yeah. Where you live or die, yeah. So you know, this is obviously one of the, the vision over visibility, ways. right? Wasn't that? Wasn't yeah, that I, I think I think I think he said in the interview that he was trying to put that into a song. Yeah, that's right, and he did. Um, um, another then, point about know, this song, you, you were saying on the "I Will Follow" uh, that uh, Larry, Larry and Adam really got to shine here. I think this is a song where Larry is at one of like i think it's up there with sunday blaze sunday for like his creative drumming um i I think it's kind of one of those deceptively simple songs which he's great at he and ringo star they kind of are both on that level of keeping things simple but pushing it enough that it's uh very interesting but um if you just listen to it it's it's not your standard drum beat and it's uh it really propels the song. I think if you ask Daniel Lanois, he might say something similar. Yeah, I want to say that he even talks about that in the 1980s or the the making of the Joshua Tree thing they did on the you know the DVDs where they had to where they described making an album and I think they pulled these drums from another track. Um, something to listen for next time you listen to Joshua Tree. Turn it up really loud at the very start. Uh, that's the what I'm looking for. And there's a bit of drums they pulled from another song that they left on the, the very start, which is 
very interesting. Um, I think I think they called that the Weather Girls. Was that the name of the song? I think. That, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. But anyways, little, little thing to listen to uh, this weekend. Um, but the uh, another you know another thing that I thought was interesting. This song's been out for about a year and a half, I guess. And just to show you the popularity, I, mean, I guess a year and a half is not that big of a deal. But you know, it's already getting to that crowd sing along version. And you know that's something that this song has become now is more of a crowd sing along, similar to another song we're going to talk about later, which I won't tell you yet. But it's almost like once it becomes that sing along version, they try to strip it back more and more and more to make it more about the crowd engagement, which I think is fine. But you lose some of the performances. That's why some of these '80s performances are, are so good. And you know, I think uh, Zoo TV. When they played this, it was acoustic. I'm almost 100%. Yeah. No, you're right. I could be wrong. But, um, but the other thing I um, wanted to mention, could be wrong, because like I said, I don't have the ear that you have, but is Bono playing guitar on this, acoustic guitar? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, um, I, I definitely heard acoustic guitar in there. Because he, he uh, definitely did it during the Joshua Tree tour, too, because there's rattling hum outtakes of... Uh, Right. I think the same show where Running to Stand Still from Rattling Home is from, um, they've got an outtake of him playing guitar on it. And, you know, it. I, I always get so sad hearing his guitar, honestly, or seeing pictures of yeah. him with a guitar. Like, obviously he he would never like, well, I guess he did kind of do a couple solos at some point. Very simple, but um, it really added a lot. Whether they turned yeah. it down or not, It it, it either it either made the song sound better or it made him feel more passionate about what he was doing. Right. And um, you could argue that he was, you could argue he was playing guitar more live than ever on 360 because yeah, he started, that's what I was thinking. I mean, Cause he, he did the solo on bad, right? On bad. He started yeah, playing exactly. his own little solo thing on bad and rocking out with the band and everything. Exactly. Which, but on, on that note, and if anybody's listening from, you know, YouTube songs or at YouTube, you know, nobody ever asked him about that anymore. Like in interviews, no one asked him, how's your hand doing? Or are you interested in playing guitar? Have you tried to play guitar? You know, he played piano on Innocence um, and uh, in 15, um, which is only like, you know, a year and a half after it happened. So I don't know. I, I, I wish somebody would ask him. You know, he's getting I remember, I remember um, this is a little sidetrack, but not terribly. Um, when we were talking about, we like to do this thing when the new tour starts to kind of create our set list before they announce, before we find out what there's going to be. And I remember when they were going to do the Josh Tree uh, 2019 tour uh, because it was going to Australia. I thought they were going to do a little rattling hum, love town type thing. So I told Andrew that what I thought the set opener was going to be was silver and gold with like, this, the lights out and Bono ends up being uh, playing guitar like that little opening and then when the chords come in he'll be playing guitar but in the shit house of shotgun praying hands hold me down only the hunter was hunted in this tin camp town Chain to the ground, chain to the ground. 
obviously that didn't happen. And no, you just got Sunday Bloody Sunday again. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. That's fine. Okay. Uh, uh, no. Exodus, you got you got you got the Bob Marley snippet, which you know right. been, they were they doing since did that uh, a lot through Joshua, Joshua Tree. Tree. Um, but and then they swapped I, it out I with know, three little bears and Zoo TV, but for another time. Three little bears. You go in. Don't you go worry. Bad bird, bird, bears, birds, whatever. Well, I, I don't know if you're about to do a monkey <laughs> Um, but Ziggy Marley, I believe, uh, Bob Dylan's son, I believe, uh, Bob Marley's son, <laughs> Ziggy Marley, Bob Marley's son, I believe, played with them on a Love Town show. And I th- actually, I think there's a version of uh, Love Rescue Me yeah. with him, um, out there. It was officially released. Maybe a B side. It's a it's a B side to one of the Rylan Home singles. I can't remember which one. Um, um so uh, when I, I as I said for me, it had been a long time since I listened to straight through, and I was trying to be surprised and not look at the set list um, to you know not know what song is coming next. And you know we're on track four here, and we've gone big intro with streets into the the big rocker slowed it down a little bit was still in sound and now i was so surprised mlk was this early in the set and just slowed it way down because you know i don't know how much you guys get into this but you know with any band but we do it a lot with you too is you know we kind of look at the set list and nowadays their power you know most of their shows it's like first four five songs they're trying to set the place on fire yeah. just play hit and heavy, hard rock and roll uh, music, but uh, <laughs> a little, little nod there. Um, but this, you know, to, to throw this out, I thought that was very, uh, very interesting. This early in the set, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think on Joshua Tree, it was you know, on the original Joshua Tree tour, it was a few s- songs back. Um, they still played it, but you know, the, the I think this was really the last time it was a staple in the set list. I think it made up, made a few showings at a 360 maybe. And then obviously the Super Bowl performance, but um, you know, you, you, you think you got to think that they know like his voice is so strong at this moment, he can basically carry a two and a half minute song by himself. Um, So they, they weren't afraid uh, to to just have a solo. Yeah. And I think they may have played it once on pop, kind of a, a different version oh really um, it, then they strike that you know when they first when they were still kind of working out joshua tree 17 they uh they maybe played it one night or two nights um mm. on the, you know in the intro portion of the show right but yeah obviously super strong biggest thing that stuck out with me i mean just you know it's just it's a, it's a fun it's a good song uh and it really highlights his voice obviously and um but if you guys the, haven't been able to tell by now, this is going to be a Bono Love Fest podcast. <laughs> and seriously, uh, though, his voice is just like, uh, to me, at this point uh, in his career, there was really no one who could match his intensity and power at, of what he could do. I was just, yeah, I, I was just going to say that the biggest thing that stuck out to me, and granted, it's not like I've listened to a ton of, MLK from Love Town, but he ended on uh, the ending line was "Dreams be uh, may your dreams be realized," which is 
you know, not the normal ending line that I'm familiar with, at least in the versions that I know. Um, but, you know, that kind of ties back into, you know, dreams, dream it all up sure. again, you know, that kind of element. I don't know if there's nice. any connection there, but um, just that, that stuck out to me. Um, next song, One Tree Hill. got to say one of my favorite songs, uh, just of U2's recorded studio albums. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, I think it stands out because it is somewhat unique. Um, yeah, they, they never really, I think maybe it, it might've been on every Joshua tree original tour, but uh, from then on out, I don't think it was ever regularly played. Definitely yeah. not past here a couple of times um, in 360 and vertigo. Um, maybe. Um, you two is so good at set list. I say set list design, but I know sometimes we don't always agree with some of the decisions, but in their transitions and how that song ends on such a somber note, quietness and then it just boom kicks off and this is not even the best example but kicks off with the the um, backing track of one tree hill and it just lights up the room you feel it when you listen to it and um it just uh it, it just gets the people going as they say <laughs> um yeah, and th- this is one one of my it's got one of my favorite guitar solos from Edge, which you know he still does a great guitar solo now with the Joshua Tree tours. Um, that's definitely a highlight of his uh guitar solos for me yeah the 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 solo on this once again haven't listened to every could have been playing it this way the whole left town tour but i thought it was an, an extra level of heaviness on this and you know it made me think of lady with the spinning head um a couple just the, the sound that he got a couple times made that pop into my head so we kind of maybe a, a little preview there of what we're getting ready to see uh in 91 but one thing i will say is in okay maybe not as much as bullet and running but i was totally ready to hear pride 
right there. I mean, I, I was almost certain. That That's interesting because I, I, what I was expecting was the Unforgivable Fire. Because I think that's what they did a lot on Joshua Tree tour. The original was uh, he yeah. would do that and then say the keyboard part was starting to say "Welcome to the Unforgettable Fire." Right. But One Tree Hill was just that, that was that was a surprise. A good surprise. I knew it was in the show. I just couldn't remember where it was. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, my favorite part of the song, yeah, I love the guitar solo, all those kind of things. But you know, the the O Great Ocean part, I think, is just a sure. a cool a cool piece there. Tell me, um, tell me if you agree with this, uh, and I, I think this goes for the album version as well. But before we get to the Oh Great Ocean, um, the I guess it's over the guitar solo, basically where Bono is just kind of like yelling or like doing, like making making noise or something. I get real strong like Jim Morrison vibes from that. Like I I've, I, I kind of hear like not necessarily his impression, but his Jim Morrison's influence on him there, like. Kind Maybe. of the stuff he does on like to, the end to, or whatever. Yeah, I'd have to listen to that. Um I have to listen to that with that in mind, but I just like when you say Jim Morrison, that just made me think of um Val Kilmer. Yeah. Come on, baby, yeah, light my yeah. fire. Saturday Night Live elevation performance, which to me is Maybe we'll have a mini episode on that one at some point. Yeah. But I'll just say that's probably YouTube's best SNL performance yeah, elevation. Sure. Um Anyways, the part of Oak Great Ocean that stuck out with me, obviously we know the we know the lyrics, we know the vocals there and how that sounds, but you know, I think I assume Edge is playing that big hollow body uh guitar and just the chords that he plays before each uh yeah. line starts. So warm, so big, just a great just uh, just a really, a great clean really sound, nice yeah. sound. Clean sound, yeah. Um, that just really stuck out to me. Next, we've got um, Gloria, or as I like to call it, Ticket to Rides, Meaner Big Brother. <laughs> I haven't heard you say that. But I, I want to I hear why you say that. But I'll just say with the intro, this is another great example. Slow it down at the end of the song. Everyone's kind of chill, enjoying it. And then there's Larry. And it's just like in your face, we're you two, you know, and now if it happened, you know, Bono's going to say, you know, we're a, we're a band from Dublin City, Ireland, whatever. But, you know, back then it's like, boom, here's the song. We're just firing away at this. And just, um, I, I love those rough, rough transitions. I think they, they, yeah. they do those, they do those so well. Yeah. I, I mean, it's honestly, Gloria. Yeah. It's, it's a great song. You can kind of get away with putting anywhere. <laughs> like I, it, like it's either, as they do now, like a run of the heavy rock songs, or then it's kind of like a shock to the system almost with that big drum part coming in. I think it's, I think honestly, I, I wish they would use it. I wish they would use a lot of their heavy songs as more of a shock to the system instead of having it in spurts. Right. Um, because I just think it, it's different. I just, I, I guess I would just say it's different than how sure. they do it now. Um, the reason I reference ticket to ride is because the the drum pat the drum beat that starts off the song is basically the same as the ticket to ride drum beat um just louder and heavier more aggressive um but uh, we we won't talk a lot about adam <laughs> in this because he you know he's always just back there holding it down and that as most YouTube fans know, that's exactly what's required of him. 
But in this yeah, song, he really gets to show off a little bit. I actually wrote down Adam, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick, which kind of there you go, with, yeah, with the, with the bass. But and part of it is it unfairly, funny. unfairly, the recordings don't highlight bass, you know, so you don't get to right. hear that kind of thing. But I would suggest, and Chris kind of mentioned earlier, with listening to a specific instrument through the whole song or whatever it may be. I mean, there's some of these songs where you know, the bass is just doing a really funky, a really cool line, simple or not, it doesn't matter, but it just has a, has a cool sound. And when you learn that bass and you relate it to that song, it gives the song a, a little bit more depth. I mean, once again, we've talked about Octone Baby so much tonight, but... Um, you can't really talk about Love Town without talking about the future, which is Octone Baby, but... That's a, that's a good point. But, you know, Zoo Station has maybe my and, and that's one thing you'll find about Chris and I will say my favorite and then maybe a month later here I'll say my favorite again <laughs> our favorite totally different. our favorites change quite a bit but Zoo Station has a great bass line uh, one of my favorites of, of is any of Adam's and you know it's something that probably for the first five years that I heard it I never focused on that but you know when you when you do a little bit deeper dive just the, not the bass solo, which Gloria has, or his New Year's Day, or which are great, but you know, just the basic bass. He Adam is the man. Um, but I mean, any of those songs that you're talking about, just imagine them without those bass lines. Like Edge is so far gone from like sticking to the root notes, especially in something like Zoo Station. Like without that bass driving it, it it's gonna fall flat. Well, another thing about Adam is when you go to a show, if you're if you're close. Adam of all the bands is probably most likely to give you uh, recognition or like recognition. make eye contact yeah, or yeah smile or whatever maybe he you know that's been our best experiences he, if if we're on his side of the st- uh, the stage yeah 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 but um, think about and, and you know I referenced the boy and war and Gloria stuff for, uh, October a couple times and not every song on these albums. But one thing I will say is, and, and U2 is a great band, they always say, you know, we're better than the sum of our parts. Um, but those early songs are really songs where the whole band shines. Everybody has a part that sticks out. Everybody has a part that grabs your attention. And uh, I'm not saying that didn't happen as much on Joshua Tree, but, you know, Joshua Tree, other things are featured or it's more about the song as a whole. I feel like back then, it was like, Adam, you know, you, everybody had their, their their part in the in the sun, and uh, that's you know definitely true I, here in Glory. And that, I kind of agree with you, I, I, and I feel like they they maybe uh, with intention went back to that for uh, songs of innocence because I think kind of what you're talking about there kind of happens, especially with you know some bass being more up front and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the last two albums, well, no one on the horizon. The last three albums, bass. I mean. There's some really good bass, and, and and but that's the, that's the other thing. It's studio version, and those are more recent in history, so the audio quality is a little bit better. They can kind of accentuate that. And with like kind of music trends, the way they're going, bass bass is a more important thing right now than it was maybe in 1987. 
Isn't there a song about that? <laughs> um, but yeah, Gloria, always great. You know, but uh, one note I made, no snippet at the end of it, which they always, yeah, like Gloria, they didn't always use Gloria as a snippet, but. You know what I, I I look for at the end as as opposed to a snippet is uh, the alternate vocal melody he does for the last chorus. I'm always disappointed when I hear a 1980s version of that song and it doesn't have that in it. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I didn't, uh, and can be the way recorded, one of my favorite parts, and it's it's funny because this song to me mirrors out of control out of the, uh, this doesn't have as much of a breakdown as out of control does, but it kind of mirrors it how they come back in um, with uh, Bono and Edge singing together. And this didn't, this, uh, I really couldn't hear Edge that much. And this, yeah, this, this I couldn't either. That, that, no, it did, because I look, that's vocally, that's my favorite part of the song. And same for Out of Control is when they come in together after the breakdown. And I couldn't, it, it was just different. Maybe uh, they had his bike down because I'm looking at the set list and I don't really, maybe a couple songs he kind of sounds loud enough. But I, yeah, I, you're right about that. Yeah, which, talking about underrated stuff, Edge back in vocals. Oh my goodness. Yes, for, for certain. Um, God Part 2, one of, I'll just say it, a, a song I don't particularly care for that much. Um, yeah, it's it's not one of my favorites either. Um, I think it has some elements of kind of showing their thought process. Definitely. It's it's where, definitely a precursor to Octung and The Fly and that kind of sound. Where they were heading. Uh, just a couple quick notes here. Um, I don't know if you guys started listening to you radio on Sirius one of the first celebrity playlists they had was Matthew McConaughey and he's a very very big fan of this song and it's in Rathlin Hum as an album really? in general which is pretty cool um, another thing that's interesting is you know you two live especially in the up until I don't know 360 fourth leg third leg whatever they whatever album they were promoting, they were pushing those songs hard early in the set list. Yeah. Um, and I just found it interesting that we're one, two, three, however many songs we're in, and it's our first Shaolin Hum song. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they pushed that far back. Sure. Um, but like I said, and you know, a couple of nights ago, God Part Two opened it, and they I think they did a little right. Rattling Home section. Yeah, it shows the flexibility of the stuff. That's a good point. Right. Um, and the, the other thing that kind of stood out to me is the song really was set up for Bono just to be able to sing really aggressive on the verses. Sure.
because and he does it's a great effect right i'm just saying that's kind of, that seemed to be the design of the song just to be able to do that um and, he, and, and you're right and he does but uh yeah it, it's it's not my i, I love love rattling hummings album i mean someday maybe my number two favorite album um but um this is is you know the bass and drums at the start unique different but it's never been one of my favorites uh i mean we we can say it it is a response to not necessarily a response because i guess he was not here anymore but response to john lennon's god so bono called this one god part two and famously the last half of john lennon's song is just a list of i don't believe in blah 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 i don't believe in Dylan or Zimmerman. I don't believe in Elvis. I don't believe in Beatles. Um, so Bono kind of takes that and runs with uh, um, that. And he, he even has a verse about John Lennon in, uh, in that song. Anyways. Um, don't, yeah. Don't, don't give me anything other than Love Town or Zoo TV for Desire. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just not into it if it's not yeah. blasting through. Elevation was, Elevation had some fun moments for what, what it was, but then that kind of ran its course. But um, once again, you got the transition um, up in the, the, um, the, the famous beat of uh, and guitar of Desire. And just, um, you know, I, I think this song more than any other song on the album kind of sums up U2 in the late 90s of excess, fun, everything kind of going their way. Um, you said you, you said late nineties. Do you mean late eighties? Uh, late eighties, yeah. Yeah. Late yeah 80s. Okay. That just everything everything is coming up roses for them. Yeah, uh, and, pro- and probably and, the... and it comes through on this. It comes through on this song and how he sings it. How it just the the beat is fast. It's moving. Uh, it just it's, makes yeah. me feel like this is how they felt um, when they were just at their peak. Sure, and you know you've got in this version. Specifically, you've got a little uh, bit of a precursor to Mirrorball Man when he starts off the song with Greed is Good. Come on now. Um, Come on now. So uh, you've got that. And then there's there's another the line where he says, uh, with a red guitar on fire, he changes it this time to... Which I think I don't know about you, but I still say that. Like, if I'm singing another, yeah, think, listen to another version of song, I, I think about that. that all the time. Um, I think about all the time. I'm guessing that's yeah. a reference to Edge. Edge was playing a, like a cream-colored Strat, which I've never seen on in, him use any time other than Love Town, um, which is pretty pretty fun to see. Yeah, I was going to ask you what electric guitar he even uses for Desire. Yeah, what do you use on ZTV? He used the black Strat. Um, yeah, but I, I think yeah. in Love Town, for a lot of these Rattling Hum songs, he used the this kind of off yellow, uh, kind of Jimi Hendrix looking strat. Is that second solo? Is that a little bit extended solo? It, 
it is, but you know what? There's there's more Love Town versions where he kind of goes a lot crazier. Like I think some of the Australia Love Town shows, um, he extends it a lot and does like stuff that you wouldn't normally think of Edge as doing. Um, yeah, once again, it's kind of trending in that direction of 91, 90, you know. Sure. And, 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 you know, I don't know what they were listening to at that time either. They could have been trying to listen to some of that type of music. Um, right. That, that, which, you know, it's interesting that Rablin Hum was a, uh, this is kind of a off track a little bit, but Rablin Hum was a album designed to be about, similar to Joshua Tree, but kind of designed to be about America, American music history, the Memphis, Sun Studios, B.B. King, um, with All I One Is You, and I guess you put Desire there and a couple others, but a lot of them tried to have that more American feel. All the songs, live songs, I think, are from American shows on Joshua Tree. But Love Town was never played in the United States. You know, it was just hmm. a European that's, that's interesting and point. Uh, Pacific, think about um, Pacific uh, tour. So it's just interesting um, thinking kind of where their heads were at. And, and maybe they just run, it's run its course. They were over the American stuff. And I don't know the time period of when Robin Hum was released and then this tour was going on. But, you know, critically, it did not get uh, the best reviews. And U2 doesn't really uh, respond well. <laughs> to the material it doesn't get the best critic, critical reviews. But Desire... When you see it on set list, you know it's going to be a fun moment. Um, usually from night to night, not going to be too much difference. Um, I will say the I thought the harmonica sound, everything sounded just a little meaner, a little more aggressive on this version, um, which uh, makes it a little more special, which I, I appreciate. Sure. Then we get into their... Uh, I, I, I'm going to call it a Jimi Hendrix cover because I think that's more the version they're going for than yeah. the Bob Dylan, even though they reference Bob Dylan a little later uh, as well. But, um, you know, I, just having watched Rattle and Hum, I really did not like their version of All Along the Watchtower. I I don't like the version that's in the the movie. Um, but these versions, they they are just really good. They really rock and like, there's there's that breakdown in it, which is Awesome. Like he, his voice goes way low and he's able to kind of show off his whole range. Cause then he comes back out of it, like scream, screaming. He doesn't scream, but really pushing his voice. Um, and then Ed has another yeah. great guitar solo, which is very Jimi Hendrix inspired. I would say. Yeah. 
I'm very, I'm very on YouTube. Um, we're very on edge. Like I'd say that, favorite. that and those uh, bullet, the blue sky guitar solos that he did a little later are the most Jimi Hendrix. He, he ever got. American soul had a wall title. Is all I'll say. I'm not even sure we're going to ever get to that song, but. <laughs> um, once again, transition, you know, Larry just destroying the kick drum just sound, and I guess the, the snare too, but just sounds so heavy and so good. And I agree, Rattlin' Hum's studio or not a Rattlin' Hum album, this song, you know, I, I would probably skip this song 90% of the time unless I was yeah. specifically listening the whole way through. And most live versions I'm going to skip, but this is just a rocking version. And, um, you know, you already mentioned Ed Solo, just, you know, it doesn't even sound like the guy who, you know, did I Still Don't Found I'm Looking For four songs right. ago. It's a totally different sound. The breakdown is great. Um, that's, you know, we talked about breakdowns, but think about all the, the breakdowns. For the most part, you know, it's not just everybody's quiet. Everybody's doing something that sounds great. Larry on yeah. the on the cymbals. Um, doing his little Adam, tippy taps. Yeah, Adam's bass, Edge ed scraping or whatever he's doing. And then you've Bono, got Bono. Bono's on guitar too. He's his yeah. guitar comes in a little bit yeah. through there. I would say to incorporate that more into the newer newer songs. I mean, the elevation breakdown we all know. Well, at least at least to me is one of my least favorite breakdowns probably of <laughs> of, of all their breakdowns. But um, it. Uh, I was just I was I was pleasantly surprised. And I actually starred songs. I think this is I had I had a star by streets and then this is my second star. Um this is just uh just just rocking. Yeah. It, and, it's really a shame that most people only know you two doing this from Ravel and Hum and you don't get to hear something this powerful. Rock and roll stops the traffic. Um so then we've got a spot uh, in most Love Town shows where they would either play All I Want Is You or Bad. But for the New Year's Night audience, or I guess it's New Year's Day at this point, um, we get both. I'll be yeah. at a shorter version of All I Want Is You, but... Yeah. And I, I'll be honest, I remember, this is something I do remember, and why I didn't ever really love this version. All I Want Is You is is kind of the song that took at least me and Chris might agree a little bit, but took me from just a random YouTube aware of their music, like a few of their songs to just totally being uh, crazy about them and trying to listen to as much and learn as much about them as I could. So whenever I would get a bootleg or any YouTube thing, I would always, all I want is you would be one of the first songs I would always listen to. Um, And I remember always being disappointed how short this was. (laughs) Um, and I will because you knew he could kick it (laughs) oh yeah you definitely do and and there's a great performance a few nights ago of this this song too but um, but this if by U2 standards this is a terrible transition because he finishes and it's like a 40 second delay I don't know if Larry is still coming out of the bathroom (laughs) I know it's not that long but I don't know if Larry is still coming out of the bathroom but they really you know Usually, see, I, I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing they they had 
you know, bad on the set list. And then Bono just starts playing that. And then True. everyone's kind of thrown off and they're not sure if he's done or what. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing that that's kind of the hiccup there. You on that note if that's the case great good yeah. i love the that's, you know, that's something that's something that maybe we got a little bit on uh uh 360 a little bit a little bit on innocence and not much since then none on uh joshua true experience but you know elevation was probably at the peak and obviously they did a lot on joshua tree but um, and and I guess a little bit left time, but making these game time decisions on yeah. songs and holding up, you know, because there, there there was no pressure, there was no didn't have to queue up a video, right? Didn't have to get a full backing track. Um, it was just, even though Dallas, you know, talks all the time about he has to have all these guitars ready and have these songs plugged in, final calls for it, but that just seems like such a a rare thing that happens, but. Um, I think it's not a stretch to say bad is both of our favorite songs. Like, I, I don't, I don't think there's, there's another one that comes close for both of us. Yeah. Especially, especially nowadays, especially live for sure. Like you said earlier with streets, there's like little things you have where you can, you can really tell when he's like feeling it basically. Um, and I, I know he being Bono and I noticed um, one here when he's doing the, adds a little extra to it so you can when he when when you when he's adding more difficult parts to his vocal parts then you know that he's uh he's in a he's in a mood the wide awake are just uh next level as you talked about kind of the perfect level of raspiness and um and, and really pushing it yeah and you know and i can't recall all the versions on Love Town, but this this has like zero uh, snippets of other songs in it. Very very surprising. I wrote that same thing down. This is one reason I don't think I like this song, this version as much, is because it doesn't have the snippets like that were they did, you know, in the eighties. Uh, I think his voice is one of his best vocals. I, mean, I wrote down a couple parts, retching, just because like when he says uh, Revelation. Um, let it go it's just pushing it so incredibly hard and even uh wide one of the wide awakes at the end you get the little feedback like it's right next yeah. to the amp or whatever um 
his vocal, just the straightforward vocal is unbelievable. And, you know, there is no snippet, but there is kind of that ad love of the brother take a chance. You know, it's funny. I, I don't know if you remember, but so I always thought it was run and save yourself. <laughs> I, I thought he was saying run and save yourself, but you corrected me and said it's brother, take a chance. Well, someone may correct us both and say something else, but that's what I do. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, once again, and Adam, when it's quiet and you can really, the bass is somewhat isolated. He is just, he adds so much to the, to the song and you really hear it on bad because he sounds like he's all over the fretboard, sliding up and down um, like he's in the music part. And it just, uh, it's just something to listen for in this quiet part. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me think of the Rattling Home version, how, you know, he like, Bono pushes it it's so far and then he just fade, fade away and then. I'm imagining him grabbing the towel and walking off stage because the next song he's not even on the stage for. Right. He had to go recuperate after that one because he, he, I mean, whenever you get a version of Bad where he really pushes it, it's it's something special. So he, he leaves the stage after Bad <clears throat> and gives Mr. Edge a chance to shine with Van Diemen's Land. And I love the song. Uh, I, I think it's a, unique song obviously not just with edge singing but just it's just him it's just the guitar uh i think the guitar sounds great i think this is one of the songs that really makes you let you feel the the size of the room and the, the guitar sounds so clear and i want to say this is the same guitar that he uses on one tree hill so that may and, um, if it's the same one he uses in rattle and hum for van diemen's land then yeah i would imagine so because i'm pretty it, sure it looks the same because that guitar sounded great on, the, on that song too but um, yeah, I mean, it's straightforward, obviously, um, but you know, I wish they played it more. Obviously, it's kind of a tricky song to fit into a set list nowadays. Sure. There's really no connection with it. Um, but um, you know, I, I kind of wish nowadays, well, I guess nowadays that he, he would have like a song where he could sing because you know, you had you had numb, you had seconds in during war when he had a lead part. Um, America I guess he's kind of got a lead part on "You're the Best Thing About Me," but it's very short. So, Mir- miracle drug and sure. second moment sometimes. Sure, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's it's a forgotten, oft forgotten song. I would say. Um, moving on to "Bullet the Blue Sky." Every tour, "Bullet" kind of has a little bit of a different stamp on it, and "Love Town" slash Joshua Tree, and even in the ZTV just a really aggressive vibe um or just you know harsh rough tough vibe on the song and the, and once again larry will just make you perk up and be like hey what you know if, if you're halfway falling asleep listen to it you hear that and you you, you know something's coming sure. uh, even if you don't know even if you don't know the song just kicks off so heavy so hard um i, I wrote down here it's the most perfect U2 on U2 song. I mean, it's so U2, but it's not U2. Sure. Yeah. We've got a couple snippets in this one, which are fun. Uh, he said, he just, 
out of the blue says 11 o'clock TikTok at the middle of it. And Edge, being the quick thinker he is, jumps into the main riff of 11 o'clock TikTok. And I have to assume that wasn't planned and it was just some uh, quick thinking by Edge to play it, uh, that one riff. But it fits perfectly and sounds very cool um, in there. One of my favorites of all time because it's one of the few I can remember where the band song, but at least one of the members goes with the snippet. Um, but then still comes back to the song. It's really cool. But not to burst your bubble, but I did, did a little research on that last night. And they did that snippet five times on Monday. Really? Oh, so I'm okay. not sure. It would be consider it busted. Night. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear the first night they did it and see how it developed. But still, I think it's great. Um, and you know, that was their big one of their big first singles they had in Dublin. So it kind of sure. has that back into you. But um, the, the the whole second half, the speech, um, one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, just that, that that whole piece is so, is so musical and just has a great vibe and great flow to it. And that penny or a pounda is um, from a, um, uh, it's actually i will tell you because uh i was watching Shit's creek today and that was they were putting on a performance of the musical cabaret and they were singing that. And I said, I said what a coincidence. I will be talking about that later. There you have it. But it's, a, it, it's, it's an all-time version. And, you know, one thing that I always remember listening to this growing up was um, we talked about wherever else they got their tape recorders turned on. In the version that we had, it would skip at that part every single time. And I thought that was so interesting. It doesn't anymore. It doesn't on the version I have, so I don't know if it was, right. the way it was burned on the CD that we had or if it was that bird that uh, mix we had. But same. I think it was kind of like a joke, like because they had someone had taped it and he was mentioning them, and they kind of like edited it out to almost make it seem like they were doing something bad. I I always thought of it like that. Yeah, but um, I, I just I, th- I think that whole second half. Is, is great and always love the happy Christmas from you two to you. This is Dublin City. This is where we come from. And God knows where else they've got their tape recorders turned on. Well, happy Christmas from you two to you. This is Dublin City. This is where we come from. Still we run, and we run into the arms of America.
and then it goes into um, probably this one of the songs that's most about Dublin. I I don't really have much to say about it other than it's just a great performance of a great song. Um, and of course we get the dirty old town at the end, which is a fantastic little Irish song that the crowd obviously enjoys and sings along with totally. Um, yeah. Uh, as you said, not much, not, you know, running's interesting to me. What makes running is the last quarter. Um, once you get to the, the still running, which I can listen to the still running part. I, I, I can listen to that for like three minutes. I, I, every time I hear that song, I'm like, I wish it wouldn't have stopped yet. Cause I just love that. Once again, Adam, similar to bad on the slow parts, just sounds great. Um, I, I wrote harmonica five stars. I felt like I had more up, little extended, just sounds awesome. And then it goes into dirty old town, which uh, I, I love that song. And, Then we get a small snippet of times they are changing, uh, just kind of solo, which I would put about on the level of the stairway to heaven we discussed earlier. Um, so moving on to New Year's Day. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny you say that because the first thing I said is you kind of hear like Bono of today a little bit singing, the way his voice sounds. Sure. I don't know what makes me think of that, but it just sounds maybe a little flat or, or whatever. I don't know. It's, it sounds like he's putting on a thicker Irish accent when he's singing it to me. Maybe it's just because he's singing something that's not, you know, a U2 song that I know what he's going to sound like. But I thought it was cool they played it. Um, it's only the second time. They only played it twice. And then, so of course, again, the times are changing because Boom, we have changed it to 1990 into New Year's Day. Obviously, they had to play it because it is New Year's Day. Um, I guess that and maybe Bullet the Blue Sky, which was a big song, so they played it as well. They don't really fit like the party theme for this show that they were going for, but like Good I said, point. they kind of had to play New Year's Day on New Year's Day. Yeah, I mean, think about it, they, they didn't play Sunday, Blake Sunday. They kind of wanted to keep things, I think, for the most part, upbeat. And once again, the transition um, out of that, and New Year's Day is a great transition song because once again, it's so upfront in your face at the, from the beginning. But once the, I, I may have mentioned it with Gloria, but it reminds me of Gloria that everyone shines. Everyone kind of sticks out. And 
you know, we were lucky enough to be very, very close for Joshua Tree 2017 to be on Edge's side for New Year's Day. And the guy on this song, I mean, obviously he's playing the piano, it's great, but some of the guitar sounds he gets, I think New Year's Day has become so, it's so been around for 35 years, maybe more. But if you get down and listen live, especially some of those sounds that he's getting, I think that's some of the best guitar playing that he has on a studio album. Uniqueness and sounds that nobody sure. was playing like that in 1983. That I, that kind I, of those, I think that. those crazy harmonics he, he uh, runs through, I think maybe in the second verse or maybe the third verse or something. That, that is a pretty cool part for sure. Not the first verse, first course. <laughs> Not the second verse. And then we get the, you can hear this too, which I didn't know he was doing this back then, but you get the fast clap after the solo. Yeah. If you've seen, yeah, yeah. If you've seen them, a live video of this, you'll know what I'm talking about there. It's in that category that I talked about and leads us to pride that it's a straight, it's straightforward. Uh, you, for the most part, you know, it's going to be solid. You know, it's going to be a great performance, but it's not going to have something in there that is going to make it stand out. Speaking of pride, we have pride up next. Pride, and, uh, uh, similar to, as, as we kind of talked about with uh, uh, a couple of other songs, we know New Year's Day is going to be a solid performance, nothing too unique night tonight, but um, very comfortable to pride, especially in the eighties when, his his voice was top notch and even on DTV and he could just push this song so much and really make it, you know, if you listen to this show compared to Pop Mart, which is not a good example, but even Elevation, Vertigo, it's just, it's a different song now. Uh, but back then just so much power yeah. um, and, and really aggressive singing. And what about, um, where do they play it now? You think now they're, they're down a full step. I think possibly a step and a half. So, um, yeah, yeah. He, it was pretty. I, I think Bonus was pretty strong on twenty in twenty seventeen, but uh, so I he he say. still hit he still hits the notes really, but it's just not with the same kind of power that he had right with, behind right. it then. Right, and once again, edge backing vocals, unbelievable on Pride. Yeah, maybe more now actually. He because I can't remember how much he was doing on with this show versus uh, maybe his mic was not turned up as loud or something. Just kind of like you said, it's it's one that at this point in their career, I don't think they really need to play it anymore. I'd rather them have dropped that than dropped all the Joshua Tree songs for experience. But uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, and it's, just going back to the tuning thing you were talking about, once again, some of us have still found, if you want to see how hard the song is to sing on the studio version and yeah. the effort he puts in, just search on YouTube making of uh, Josh uh, making of the unforgivable fire pride or something like that. And it's a video Bono in the vocal booth doing a couple takes of pride and Brian, uh, you know, and, and, and Daniel Lynn while watching them from the outside and just everyone just, it's, it's really unbelievable how hard he's singing. Yeah. I mean, the eighties, eighties pride is definitely um, uh, on another level than the past uh, few tours. 
So then they give a nice little uh, treat for Dublin with Party Girl to do a little, uh, like I said, it's a party, so might not play Party Girl. Um, so, you know, I put Mark of a fun show. And yeah. I think that was that was true um, on, you know, like Elevation and Vertigo. You would, it would be kind of a, a rare thing. Obviously more popular back in these times, but they didn't play it that much on Love Town, I believe, but I did, I did a little research. It's been played total 193 times, but since Love Town, it's only been played 24 times. Yeah. That... Which is interesting, but which is why when you get that now, it's kind of part of that, you know, fun show vibe. Right. Um, I don't know if it's Edge changes the acoustic guitar, if what it is, but the guitar solo sounds like you, if you close your eyes, it sounds like you're sitting across the room playing from you. It sounds <laughs> amazing to me. Uh, once again, you get that room sound to feel a smaller room. Did you on? Uh, did you mention about uh, that? That I was Allie coming on stage there at the end. Is that song? Is that when he says, uh, "Oh no, it's the wife"? Does he say that? Angel of Harlem with BB King's band. BB King hasn't shown up yet. BB King hasn't shown up yet. But um, geez, I, I really love these versions of Angel of Harlem with the full band behind it. It's it's so much better than in any anything you'll get, in my opinion. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Well, um, I, I agree, and it goes back to still I'm looking forward to talking about some of these songs that become a little bit more sing along. Right. And that's no more true than Angel of Harlem. Yeah. Um, even if you're a guitar player, you'll even notice the way Edge plays it. Now the chords are more designed for campy, campfire version, sing along. Um, but the horns, everything sounds great. Um, you know, he's sing Bono is singing the song. As right. opposed to trying to get the crowd into it and everything. Um, but one thing that I did note, I always just felt it was a little cringy on Ravin Hum DVD or uh, video where during uh, when he's introducing B.B. King for when Love Hill Times he's like B.B. Uh, King and B.B. Uh, King's band here <laughs> he just says this is his band and everybody's and he's like where's B.B. and this is like very informal and kind of very awkward but this he actually introduces them like, yeah he, he calls them out by name yeah well, they've been on tour with him for right. a few months. You know, and they, they act, B.B. King and the band actually opened for them, I believe, on all these Love Town shows. Okay. And I think, I, I know I remember reading this, but I don't remember if it was about you 2 But in one of the Stevie Ray Vaughan biographies, it was he was said something about how he was, I don't know if disgusted was the word, but he was like upset that B.B. King was opening for anyone. And, and I don't remember if it was about you 2 but it obviously would have been around the same time. And he was like, oh, I would never have B.B. King open for me. I would always open for B.B. King. It was, it was just interesting. Well, from the same, you know, coming from the same tradition. Um, so then we get another song with B.B. Well, B.B. comes out for this one for When Love Comes to Town, which was, you know, again, like all along the Watchtower, like a lot of Rattling Hum songs. I didn't really care for this one on the album, but I, I think it's really fun and really 
uh, use the word again, powerful, uh, live, like there's a lot of power behind it. Um, that doesn't come through on the album. I think it's more dialed in, um, you know, on the video, at least they made it seem like they're just kind of meeting and then they play that song tonight. I don't know what the really true timeline was, but you know, they've been playing together for a few months now and it shows, um, the background vocals, background singers add so much. BB King is just a powerhouse. Um, vocally and and on guitar, really vocally and, and on guitar. He, you know, I, I made the note and you'll, you'll agree with this, but you know, he may not be the flashiest guitar player, but he's one of those players who's like, he hits one note, you know, exactly who it is. And to me that that's more of a sign of being a great guitarist than being able to run up and down. But I can't remember if it was uh, the next song or if it was this song, but he does a couple quick runs and, you know, I don't think he was associated with it being a fast player, but he has a couple quick, um, little licks that he plays that yeah. did not that, that sounded great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole these these last two songs before forty, um, I think show the band is very comfortable with BB King's band and these backup singers, and they're they're very dialed in with this group. Yeah, totally. Um, and at the end, uh, maybe you can tell me, but. There's, and I don't know about you, but I've referenced this as well in like normal conversation when Bono says, oh, that was a joke. Oh, no, he isn't. That was a joke. You know how he just says that offhandly? What does he say that was misconstrued as not a joke? Do you know? Because I can't make it out. When you said that, I don't remember hearing that last night. When you said it, obviously, I, I know that. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah, I, I couldn't make out what he said. But another thing I love, which I don't say, but uh, right after that, he says, what's next, Reggie? What's next, Reggie? And a, wow. a lot of YouTube wow. fans, well, some YouTube fans will know that that was kind of an inside joke between the band that they would call Edge, Reg, Reg. then evolved into Reggie. Um, so that's always <laughs> fun to hear that called out. Dude, that was that's a great catch. I did not, I did not catch that. I remember when I first heard this, like a long time ago. I was like, oh, that must be one of the guys in the band, BB King's band, he's talking to. But then I realized, oh wait, that's yeah. I his don't mate. know where it came from, but um, well, it just sounds like Edge, best, and it's 
The best example, yeah, I guess that's Edge's hotel. He makes hotel reservations under Reg. Reg. <laughs> but the best example of that is on the uh, From the Sky Down documentary. They're hearing mysterious ways. And Bottle just keeps referencing Edge as Reg on uh, old uh, outtake from the studio. When they first I love it. Series, it's pretty good. But that's, great. that's a great catch. So that End of Love Rescue Me, which I, I really like the song a lot. I like the studio version. Yep. I, I like the, the, the live versions. I just think it's a very, very unique song. You know, sure. it, it's interesting because to me, studio version, even though there's blues and uh, guitar in there and everything, but it's has such a country feel to it. Yeah. Um, but this version, BB, the, the fills are like, uh, a, a top-notch blues song and the no. piano is just the blues sure. piano is unbelievable So it's kind of a juxtaposition of the country song with the blues vibe. Um, and it just has just a, a, I love it. A great overall feel. It's another one of my starred songs. It's great. Yeah. BB um, King's verse is, is great. That's actually his voice. His voice adds so much to it. I, it makes it, it makes it, you know, yeah. almost like, like you said, it, it makes it feel like a blues song. Like it, it just yeah. makes it feel totally different than having Bob and Dylan that, on the, the album. Yeah, and that verse is yeah the Bob Dylan verse, um, but uh, this song you know talking about running the stand still kind of doesn't start to the second half. This song is a great first half that I love, and it's you know you don't hear it every night, so it's always special. But the second half into the, um, the when the la 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 yeah and and Bob starts talking, and then you know um, Larry just kicks it up and they just get going back into it and uh they're having fun they wanted they, they want to be out there it's something a little different and they're just you know and, and maybe there's something to be said with this shorter tour you know this tour was only maybe two months um yeah. so talking about energy and you know maybe that's a direction they could go in the next 10 years on tours and, and just see how that sure hands out you know on innocence they tried to go shorter um or less cities and more shows in those cities so maybe that um is the direction they can go, but this is two. This is forty-seven shows. So but, before um, before we hit a lot of good, a lot of lot of good energy there. So before we hit the last song here, um, I just want to say, like like you said, they do so many 
songs from Rattle and Hum. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that's nearly all the new songs with the exception, maybe Hawk Moon and Heartland. Maybe. Um, but, and y- you know, I have a problem with this, but like ever since, uh, maybe ever since Octone came out, but definitely more recently since like From the Sky Down came out, they've like looked on Rattle and Hum as like this like, misstep in their career which is such a sad thing because there's so many good songs and so many good performances from that time I, I i don't i don't i mean obviously they still play desire and angel of harlem but like you said they're almost sing-along songs now all, all i want is you would be the most all sure song song that they, that they play frequently but when love comes to town is now sing. whenever they do play it's very rare but it's more of a sing-along um i don't have the album in front of me to, to think of the the full track list but you know, and you know, talking about the re-releases and the 20th anniversary and stuff. You know, Rattle and Hum was glossed over, and the film is great too. If you, I mean, if you're a YouTube fan or a music fan, it marks the band in that time. And whether good or bad, it's still it's it's great performances. Yeah, sometimes some of the interviews, or whatever, may be a little clunky, clunky, but that's just kind of how they were at the time. And I, I think there's a lot of great moments in that for hardcore YouTube fans and for, you know, new YouTube fans. But yeah, I don't know. They let some of these things get in their head sometimes and they, it, it takes the wind out of their sails. But um and Hum is a, is a, is a great album and, and, and Love Rescue Me is a fun, fun song, a great song and something I wish they were more comfortable with too. Um, that leads us to, to, to a song that definitely had a resurgence on uh, Innocence and Experience and Vertigo Tour, um, which, uh, once again, I, I think this should be played not every night, but I think this should be played at least once or twice every tour. Just, I mean, this is U2 right here. This, this song kind of sums up U2. Yeah, Edge and Adam are playing different instruments and that kind of thing, but this is four members of U2 together all adding something to the song and singing about um, the lord <laughs> um but just um you know th- this version particular in particular i i, I love the i'd like to thank uh, um uh, adam and larry for letting me be in their band
Um, you know, that, that's I, I just like that line. Um, and then you got the the Hallelujah, uh, kind of Bono, uh, uh, just letting it all hang out. But um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a nice version. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite of all sure. um, time. There's definitely some better ones out there, especially from probably Joshua Tree tour yeah. some really long versions um and some, you know i think i think vertigo versions were very very good too um but the um i think the most disappointing aspect with as good as some of the elements were i think adam has some good moments really working the wah pedal um yeah. on his on his uh guitar part and as i said the bono um uh, kind of going on his runs there at the end but I mean, Larry must have had to catch a cab or something. That might be the shortest. That might be the shortest uh, little drum outro. I think. Listen, I've man, they before. started the show at midnight, so he's tired. Well, he's ready to go. I don't think 40 was on the set list necessarily because they left the stage after uh, Love Rescue Me. Did they? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the crowd was chanting. Uh, they were doing How Long Must We Sing the Song before they even started it. Yeah, exactly, which is, is something that I think more U2 fans should really unite and try to do those kind of things to U2, whether it's trying to get them to play 40, trying or to get them to play certain Snippet songs. Gloria in, in Exit. Yeah, we did do that. But just trying to get them, I mean, trying to get the whole crowd involved. I think. As, as we've discussed before in the Joshua Tree shows, they had a chance to do something like that, uh, leaving stage off of Mothers of the Disappeared when the crowd was chanting that. But uh, they kind of squandered it, um, as we'll discuss in another episode. But um, so, yeah, that is New Year's Night in Dublin. Some final thoughts? Overall, great show i think one of the the elements that we kept touching on uh tonight you know which I, we haven't sat down and discussed obviously we're, we're hoping to do this a lot more in future episodes um we haven't sat down and discussed a whole show like this in a long time but i think we got a lot of elements in there of kind of where you two was going um with uh with edge how he was um playing some things a little bit differently being a little bit more aggressive um but it just shows that they're 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 in their stride right now, uh, vocally, musically. Um, the songs Definitely. are there. I mean, they're already having trouble putting together a set list and leaving. You know, what are they going to leave out? Uh, speaking of what they left out, they left out with or without you on the show, which is kind of crazy. Exactly. Even though it's still uh, a, you know a great set list without it, but right. they're having to make those you know already having to make those tough decisions. So you know those decisions are only going to get uh, tougher, but. You know, I think this is kind of your. We wanted to start with this show. If it, it, uh, you're, you're unfamiliar with the YouTube bootleg world and you're kind of looking for a place to get started, I think this is a, is, is a great place because these are a lot of songs that everyone knows. Some songs that you know might be a little new to you um, if you're not as familiar with the catalog. But it's a good place to start. So hope you uh, hope you enjoyed listening to that with us. And uh, it was our first bootleg that we listened to. So. It's it's always going to hold a special place in our hearts. So um, I, I, I imagine a lot of people feel that way about this one. Um, and like you said, it was really a you know they were all having a lot of fun. It seemed like, um, which is always great to see. Um, they were enjoying the success and everything, 
And then like we discussed a little bit, they got a little embarrassed by it later, I guess, uh, which led to Zoo TV, which uh, I think we'll discuss next time on Under a Bootleg Sky.